Welcome to Red Maryland Radio, the Red Maryland Network's flagship show. Here are your hosts, Brian Griffiths and Greg Klein. Help if I turn my mic on. It would. <laughs> Taking a little ride down memory lane right before we came on. Got a little distracted. Hello, everybody. Yeah, hi. <laughs> you are listening to Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network, coming to you from the Jim Plunkett Studio in the down, heart of the downtown Severna Park Business District, in the general vicinity of the banks of the semi-historic Magathie River, on the bucolic western shore of Maryland. That's right. You are listening to Maryland's leading political podcast, Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network. Correct. I am your host, Brian Griffiths, with me in studio, Greg Klein. What's what's with that voice? Good to be here. But what is that voice about? Uh, we were doing voices, remember? Okay. We were doing voices earlier. I'm not going to say we were doing. Else, yeah, we were, we were doing, doing that doing kind voices. of puker kind of thing, but we that's that's for off the air. Don't bring that onto the air. Eh, what are you going to do? We, we got, got a good show. We got a lot to talk about here tonight. I'm not even supposed to be here today, but here I am. You keep you keep making that joke like somebody's going to care because nobody knows why you wouldn't have been here. Why well, I, I said last week's show that you were flying solo. I said on the air. Nobody remember. I don't even. Remember. I was that here. I don't were, remember. You weren't here last week. Oh, you were. That explain why I don't remember. <laughs> Someone got caught not listening to the show. <sighs> I went. No, I went to. I was at Rift Tracks. Yeah, you were at Rift Tracks. I birthday. busted your balls for the entire show about being on being at Rift Tracks. Okay, all right. No, you I, should listen some, to the product. It's a good listen. product. God. Yeah, but do you have a clip like this when I'm? You're gone. a dork like me who likes mini golf. I encourage you to be part of the Greater Baltimore Mini Golf Tour. Yeah, see, sixth place finish on Saturday. Oh, you're still the tour is still yeah. going on. Yeah, well, good for you, Tiger. I'm glad second you're well. second playoff. Um, I was not in the playoff, obviously. Uh, obviously, so. Sevy. Okay, good. So great. <laughs> uh, well, I did miss last week, and you were not supposed to be here because you were going to go to the. I Orioles was going to go game. to the Orioles game. Yeah, but we decided against it. It was too hot, so you decided. It was very hot. The Orioles just set the Major League record for most home runs allowed in a season. And why yeah. not? There's 30 games to go. Yeah. but Oh, God. Are there that many left? Yeah, there are a lot of games left. <laughs> wow. We got a lot to talk about here tonight. I was at Mako last week, so we'll talk about Mako. It's a lot of news coming out of that. A lot of news coming out. And the big news, which has been kind of dominating the headlines all Well, week, second after your appearance, let's be honest. Has been the... Um, you know, has, has been the governor's remarks and the right. follow-up to that. Um, people don't like it when the governor tells the truth, and it shows. And I we'll like talk. this governor. This Larry Hogan I like. Keep bringing him around. I like that guy. The uh, the dance cards are fi- starting to fill up for the primaries in some races. We'll talk a little bit about what's going on in Baltimore City in the 2nd right. Congressional District. We're gonna, we've got a very unique primary in the 2nd Congressional District. Should be fun. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about. Uh, we'll shift. Look, it's a slow news period for Maryland state politics. Okay. Well, I think I think the point that we're making is there's actually a lot to talk about. We'll be talking. Normally, it is a slow. Time. Yeah, but we'll also talk about the New York Times did a story about uh, the campaign walk up music for presidential candidates. We like music, so we'll talk about that. Uh, okay. We also nobody gonna, reads the New York Times, so this will be news to you all. See, there you go. It's why you. It's why you listen. Why you watch, and uh, we'll also talk about ESPN put forth a. The best players who ever played in the NFL. Okay. And we'll talk about that. I'm interested to see your thoughts, Greg, about okay. well, that. that that'll, be, that'll be some but, fun time later. But first, we promised a big announcement. We did promise a big announcement. Prom- there's a clue. If you can find the clue. Well, it's not on the screen, so they wouldn't be able to find it. The clue is on the screen. Um, 
Okay, there's a clue on the there's screen. There's a clue right. on the okay. screen. And now... It'll make sense later. There's another clue slightly off a screen. big announcement. And, uh, Greg, just play that. Play the song. We're going to play, play this, this music. Here's an audio clue for the big announcement. act like you know this song. No, the rest of the right, Where's Mark Nugent when you need him? Yeah, he's home. He's sick. He doesn't listen to the show. Big announcement. Yes. This year, Red Maryland, a proud sponsor of University of Maryland football, on the talk of Delmarva, 92.7 FM, WGMD Radio. That's right. That's right. That's right. Proudly the talk of Delmarva, 92.7. We are no, official you got to show sponsors. the shirts. See, the shirts, the, the clue you were talking about. We, you, so Maryland, University of Maryland Terps football broadcast on WGMD as part of the Terps Broadcast Network. Their we first year sponsor. on WGMD. We are, Red Maryland way. is a proud sponsor of that. Thank you to all the folks who support us, our patrons on Patreon, everybody who's been uh, supporting us, we were able to uh, to be a sponsor of that. We're looking forward to that. And, of course, we're big fans of WGMD, who, is, who have been big boosters of Red Maryland That's over right. the years. So um, happy to do it. So if, if, you're, if you are on the Eastern Shore and you're listening to Terps football on 92.7 FM, you'll, you'll be able to hear us. If not... Listen to Terps football. I don't know if the, I don't know if they'll broadcast it online. Probably not. So I probably shouldn't. Even I know say they that. broadcast some feeds online. I know that you could listen on the TuneIn Radio app. They I have know. a they have a great app, WGMD app, and they're on TuneIn. I urge you to listen to them all the time. But uh, if you listen to Terps football and you're going to the beach or you're driving on the Eastern Shore, and I know we got a lot of friends on the Eastern Shore, big powerful signal over there, ninety two point seven yeah. FM. Listen to it. And you'll hear promos for Red Barrel. You will hear the voice, as Jerry Rogers likes to say, Greg Klein. Yes. Doing promos. If they approve the promo with my voice on it, yes, you will yes, hear that. They will or you may that. hear something else. I don't know. Either That's way, all still in the works. Either way, it'll be an We're advertisement for redbarrel.com. And look, guys, this is this is why it's important. This is why this is why we do Patreon, patreon.com slash Red Maryland. Look, yes. new headphones. New headphones. New headphones. That's right. Look, we got windscreens. Well, that... We got windscreens. I mean, that, we were overdue for that. The headphones are the headphones are important. Yeah, new when stuff. When people in the chat room are looking at the video and complaining about the quality of your headphones, we needed to do I know. something, and we so did we it. we did it. And we can do that thanks to your patronage. So if you want to continue to help us make the show a little better, incrementally, look at the baby steps. It ain't going to happen overnight. Right. Um, you know, Help us advertise in more places like we're doing with WGMD. Exactly. Go to patreon.com slash Maryland. Become a patron today, and of course, you can also buy a ticket to the Red Maryland Leadership Conference, redmarylandconference.com. Yes, well, speaking of conferences, uh, we are not a big, powerful organization with many you know, institutional supporters and, and like the Maryland Association of Counties mm-hmm. is, um, so we have to depend on the, the, the goodwill of our listeners and supporters and, all, and everybody. Um, and while we ha- we are very proud of the Red Maryland Leadership Conference that we have every year, tickets still available, uh, redmarylandconference.com, it, is, it, it does pale in comparison to the summer MAKO conference Boy, in Ocean wow. City. And I, uh, they were kind enough this year to invite us, mm-hmm. uh, invite, and Brian specifically went down representing Red Maryland to participate. And, and Brian um, 
you know, give us the give us the story, man. Give us the deeds. Well, I got there. Yeah, um, early and you're nice. in all your seersucker glory. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny because they and I think you did us proud. First off, I want to say it because I know I gave you a hard time on the air beforehand. I think you did us proud. Oh, thank so you. thank you, thank you. Um, you know, it was funny because we had you and I had talked off camera about uh, maybe even on on mic too. I don't remember about you know. Oh, well, Brian's going to wear a shirt and tie and all this. There other were stuff. lots of pep talks and, going into this. Yes, <laughs> and originally they had said the guys from Mako had said. Um, you know, it's it's business casual. So I mean, to me, that's okay. Polo shirt and, and and khakis, no big deal. And then I saw all the panels on Thursday. Well, to you, to pictures. you, that means a that means a wrestling shirt and Birkenstocks. Let's be honest. Well, that's not business casual. Okay, all right. That's okay. business. Um, right. <laughs> but you know, and I saw you know people on on Thursday. It's like, oh, okay, they're wearing a wearing a coat and a shirt. It's like, all right, I can right. do that. I'm yeah. not wearing a tie, but I can I can do the rest of this. Tie was not required. Correct. Um, and, of course, you get there. And, of course, I'd actually never been in the Ocean City Convention Center before. Is that right? I'd okay. never been to Mako before. And that just everything is just to the nth degree. I mean, it's you right. don't realize how big the Ocean City Convention Center is. I mean, you've driven past it probably sure, of countless course. times on Coastal Highway. And, and this is a huge, huge, huge it's a event. a massive event. Yeah. It is huge. And, it's, and it takes up pretty much the entire building. Right. Um, it's It's just impressive how large it is and how... Um, you know, how organized it is. And obviously, it's not their first rodeo. And as Greg said, there's lots of institutional sponsors. Lots of people come down for this. There's big bucks going on here. Right. Well, this is a machine. This is a huge organization. Right. And, and a lot and, of these organizations, a lot of people, not to interrupt, a lot right, of the people no, who are sponsors and, and participants every year go every year. Right. Um, you know, there are people who either have worked for county government for a long time, they're elected right. officials for a long time, or state agencies, they, you know, whatever. Right. right. Um, Businesses that provide goods and services to state government and, and are supporters and of what they do. Too. And I don't know if I'm on camera. Like the gutter, like gutter helmet type people were there, too, which was yeah. kind of weird. But, you know, whatever. Um, you know. Counties may need gutter helmet too, or something. Um, like well, they have lots of buildings, and they yeah. have concerns about maintenance, and so why not? So, so anyway, before before I you know, ran into some people before before the uh, well, no, started, before, I was even before you even, court in even before you get down there because I do want you to go through that. Sure, but just just as someone who was participating mm-hmm. in this, because some folks who listen to us may have participated in events before, right? And they've done conventions. Um, we we've obviously spoken to. At events, at different kinds of events before, we've thrown our own, of course, much lower scale conference kind of thing and participated in other conferences. Right. So as someone who is a you were on a panel, yes. tell us tell because this was really you had like there were conference calls and there was all oh, yeah. sorts of prep before you even oh, go yeah. down there. Tell us about that. There was a conference call. We did um, several emails, traded back and forth. Right. Get the slides in so they could preload them, you know, just completely. Well-oiled professional operation. Can't say enough good things about the Mako yeah. staff. Um, you know, Kevin and Mike and and Natasha and those guys that have did, you know do a bang up job putting this stuff together. Everything ran perfect on time. Um, so really, by the time you get there yeah. and have the presentation, you've been prepared and and naturally are prepared yourself. But you know, you you've talked with everybody who's on the panel. Right. You've you you've got all of your materials in right you've kind of done kind of a run through kind of even of what it's good so there's not really any surprise it's just going down there and, and doing it well right? i mean to an extent everybody had talked about the stuff and some people got their slides in beforehand right but they didn't really share them i kind of 
lucked into finding them on uh, you know, on the Mako site, it's not like they were emailed around to everybody. So we kind of had we a did general, not hack the Mako we site. Kind of, no, <laughs> we had a general idea of what everybody was going to talk about, but right. we didn't. Uh, you didn't know specifically. Um, well, let's talk then a little bit. Yeah, about the panel that you were presenting on. Tell tell everybody about what that was about. Well, let me tell, just like I was say beforehand. I ran into a because I got there like at eight o'clock. My panel didn't start till nine, so I okay. you know I was just there early, like I always am. Yeah, sure. left the house at five forty five or whatever right. to get to. Ocean City, because I'm not a fat cat. I'm not getting you know a subsidized hotel for this. So right. um, I'm not pretending that I'm a journalist. The I, password is government largesse. Go ahead. Yeah, no. um, I'm kidding. That's a joke. Is it? <laughs> uh, it's a reason this conference is in Ocean City every year. It's a reason that the uh, oh, you're so cynical, my friend. It's a reason why the winter win is at the um, the Hyatt Regency Chesapeake Bay there in Cambridge too. Just. Just hey, saying. You know what? Good to be the king. Um, right? It is. So I got there. I ran into a couple of people. Our old friend uh, Brandon Butler saw him, talked to him for a little while. He's out right. doing Great. good things in Allegheny County. Ran into Brian uh, Brian Sears. and uh, Great. Our friend um, from the Daily Record. Yeah, a couple other folks before I uh, got the opportunity to get in there. And everybody's like everybody, – and everybody said the same thing. They saw me on a panel with the people I was on a panel with. Right. And were like, do what now? <laughs> You know. Because because and, and because you're on a panel with folks from the ACLU, right. from the teachers unions, the Farm from, Bureau, and the Sierra from, Club. Yeah, I mean Farm Bureau, moderated by Calvin Ball, the Howard County executive. Right. So, you know, which of these things is not like the other? It's right. Brian. Well, there's yeah. a couple, and and there's a couple different reasons for that. So the um, so I got in there. I um, our our panel was in the uh, performing arts center. Right, which is a gorgeous building. It is a gorgeous performing arts center. You know, they have national concerts and national acts play in that joint. I mean, it's probably got seven or eight hundred seats. I could be wrong. I could be okay. lowballing that. Okay. Now they didn't have it all open. Obviously, they want people to sit closer to the front. And of course, it was the first. Uh, How many people would you say did attend your that panel presentation? Over a hundred. Okay. Easy. Um, absolutely easy, and. Now, again, some people kind of strolled in late because it was a Friday morning at 9 a.m. after, like, Thirsty Thursday. You know you know what I'm saying? I, I get you. Um, yeah. So <laughs> the uh, – The password is hangover. <laughs> there were some people wearing sunglasses. No no, no joke there. Yeah. And so I was up first. And, and I, it was very interesting because, uh, obviously, County Executive Ball did the introduction, so we all were seated at a panel together, and I went right. first. And it was interesting because, like, the first things that I talked about when I got up there was, one, yeah, I'm the only prime opposite, the only Republican up here. I'm certainly the one that's most conservative and farthest to the right. And, two, I'm the only one up on this panel who is not getting paid, who's not doing this professionally, who does not do this as a full-time job. Right, and the panel was about, you know, grassroots activism. Right. And telling these folks in county government, whatever, you know, here's how grassroots activism affects policy. And how to make it, how to go from. Oh, and of course, how to co-opt it in some way, I'm sure. But but. (laughs) (laughs) so you were talking about what we do here at Red Mare. Yeah, so I kind of gave the background story. You know, I and it was funny because I was the only person who went up there. Everybody else had like prepared remarks and detailed notes of that and everything. I had none of that. I just walked right up and. 
talked for 10 minutes. You were doing so well, and then you No, it's, it, it was fine. It was great. I knew what I was You did have say. slides. You did have... You yeah, did I had have slides. This. I referenced them briefly. It's not like I was like... It's not like I was doing death by PowerPoint up there where all the words no, were I understand. on the but slide. It, it, but it, I knew what I was going to say. but you had an yeah. outline, at least in your head. Yeah, exactly. It's not like I went up there and had no idea what I was going to say. Right. You know, I mean, it was... I knew what I was going to talk about. Right. Some, you know, and some of the things I mentioned. Because what I talked about was... You know, like I said, I talked about our background. Um, I there was no way for me to get the Mike Miller clip to play though, okay. which was All unfortunate. Right. That would have been fun. Um, I did mention it. I referenced it and talked sure. about how good of a day that was. But uh, and then I kind of what talk- was the reaction you got from that crowd to that? A laugh. Did you get a laugh? Okay. Got a laugh out of it. All right. Yeah. Um, because I mean, now keep in mind, you know, there are a lot of. There are Republican, a lot of Republican county officials who were down there, and there were a lot of people from, you know, the, the administration or whatever. So it, it's not, you know, it's a, it's an there are people in the audience who are fans of Red Mail. You'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. But so there are a lot of people, I'm sure, who have <laughs> gone head to head with Mike Miller who have an R or a D beside their name. Right. So I'm sure they would find that amusing. That's funny. Right. And then I kind of talked about, you know, the, the kind of the, the case study I used, the first case study I used was the flag debate from two years ago. Great example and, of how we affect things. Yeah, Right. Absolutely. And just talking about how we went from here. Brian had a dumb idea having, a you know, waiting for a delayed flight in an airport to the three most important politicians in Maryland are commenting on this. Right. You know, in the span of about a week. Yeah. It so, became a huge news story. And it and it and it did. You know, you can say, well, how important a policy issue was that? Well, at the time. That was what was on the front page of the newspaper, literally. So right, um, yeah. Then we then we talked about uh, then I talked about the endorsement process, and you know right. talked about why we endorse and why you know and why it's important we endorse because you know we're focusing on issues that are important to us, and right. newspaper endorsements really don't matter anymore. Our endorsement matters a lot more than newspaper endorsements, especially in a primary, yeah. where we you know we focus on an audience and 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 not only and this is also was in your slides and in your presentation mm-hmm. not just the endorsements but we provide information yeah, the uh, candidate on, on candidates particularly and i talked about why primaries. that was important and of course I, I i you know and of course just just to be fun i uh the the example of my the example i used up there when i took a screen cap from the website was barry glassman who of course the president of right. who of course was in the room who right. of course he that he got a pop out of that so yeah no he would enjoy uh, that cheap He's pop great. everybody yeah absolutely the, but so well received. Everything was. It was well received. It was very well received. Got a nice round of applause. Wonderful. Um, I saw Len Lazarick later, and he's okay. like, "You can be reasonable." Um, it's, <laughs> it takes a lot of work, Len. Trust me. There was a lot of massaging that went on before. Yeah, because the Brian that you see on this show and the normal Brian you get is not the Brian. Because look, you have to know the room. You know, this is not the room for Brian to turn it up to eleven. Right. Okay. Okay. Is that what you're doing here on this show? Is you're turning up to a gotcha. It's like every good professional wrestling gimmick, man. It's you not. Just, everything is not wrestling. Turned like up to eleven. We're trying to. Be, I'm over here trying to be like a serious person. You're over here. Everything's woo, Ric Flair, and it's nonsense. Not woo. It's you can. Woo! The point is, you can do it when you focus and buckle down and apply yourself, Mister Griffiths. You can do something positive. Let that guy with the seersucker jacket on. Positivity. All right. Let's see and more then from afterwards, that guy. And then afterwards. Um, and I don't count Twitter because that's a lost cause. Okay, <laughs> you're a troll on Twitter. It's just going to happen. Just Afterwards, it. we had the ACLU come up there, and of course, the right. first thing she she mentioned was me uh, and Red Maryland about how it's like you would think we don't have things that we agree on, but we do. Um, oh, really? What she, did what did we? She agree didn't on? mention any of them. Oh, but you know, in her presentation, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure we do. I but I, like police militarization. Yeah, you know, we're on board. Okay, you know, we're we're on the same side sure. on that kind of thing. 
Sure. Um, so she went up there and talked about what the ACLU does. Uh, I had to laugh, though, because one of the things that she... Yeah, I mean, you know, the ACLU once said it's some money to work on something together. I mean, we'll, <laughs> one of the yeah, things she mentioned we'll that was how she talked about the issues focus that they're talking about, and uh, she forgot, apparently, LGBTQ... IA+. Plus, plus. Whatever. I, I LGBTQ IA+. Plus, thank you. <sighs> WTFBBQ. Okay, now, um, see, now see, you're just being offensive. And she's like, she forgot him, and she's like, oh my god, I forgot them. I hope I'm not going to be fired. And it was like... Everybody kind of had a nervous laugh because then you're like, that's an issue. See, that this a, would be a thing. In that's certain a super sections. That's a super woke thing that you don't know if you can laugh at or not. Yeah, right. I laughed. Yeah. Well, that's because you turned up to 11. Anyway. So anyway, any any response you heard afterward? I know you said. There was well, hold a- on. Let me get through the panel first. OK. Um, right. We're 20 MSC- minutes in the show. MSEA was next. And I'm not entirely certain certain that Cheryl Bost got the memo. Uh, because she basically just regurgitated MSCA talking points, and right. uh, well, that literally was, was the memo. campaign speech. Yeah, it was. Right. It was. She did not understand the the point. I think give us the, more billions every year. Yeah, more, no, it's really more. what it was. It's yeah. the usual MS, you know, MSCA shtick. And then um, Farm Bureau came up, and the Sierra Club came up. Now, the best part, you'll you'll enjoy this. We had time for okay. one question. I'll be the judge of that. We had time for one question. One question. Go ahead. Um, what was the question? And. The question was about how, you know, what the, uh, what way, you know, we reached out to people, how we communicated with people. And we talked last, and of course, um, you know, they talked about all the fancy programs that they have money to buy. And then I reiterated, it's like, hey, we use Facebook a lot because it's free and we're not rolling in dough like these guys. I didn't quite say it quite that. Not yet. And then, and the last, you know what the last words, you would be proud of this or not. Um, the last word said during this panel, no, me talking about Facebook, was, as the late Sam Kennison said, live near the food. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah. <laughs> that was the last thing said on the panel. Did they get that? No, um, not. A few people did. A few people did. Not. Good. Brian Sears would have gotten that. Well, good. Well, so that's good. So yeah. it all went well. Indeed. Uh, afterward, afterward, you saw wanna... Chris West, Senator Chris West. He gave your uh, gave his best to you. Good. I, I, we weren't able to get together last session, and and hopefully we'll be able to in the near future. Then I talked to, like I said, I talked to Len Lazarek and yes. uh, talked to uh, Brian Sears and and Josh Kurtz and. Um, oh, our, oh they were very appreciative of the fact of the fact that I said I pointed out that uh, we're not journalists and we don't pretend to be. Right, which like, is true. We don't. Yeah, which yeah. Is, we don't. Yeah. Uh, some people do. We could argue some of them pretend to be too, but right. Some people that's what they would take offense to. Some people have their lips more firmly kissed to uh, you know affixed to the backside of some campaign managers than others. That's all I'm saying. Well, that's a different story. Those are that's a minor. That's a different story. minor thing. Oh, okay. Um, right. See, I wasn't even gonna go that far. But, I doesn't deserve that much notice. But so then I actually went over and went over into like the convention area itself. Right. And boy, howdy, that is massive. It's a big event. There are six different rows of probably twenty tables each. It's a lot, and I didn't even get to I didn't even get to the county to the county booths. Like they are in a completely separate room somewhere else. There's like twenty four like right. county locality booths that are over there. Well, it, it's it's obviously a big event. And by the way, um, the guys at the Conduit Street podcast who invited Brian and, and Red Maryland to mm-hmm. participate in this. They've got their podcast out this week. I yes. urge everybody to check it out. The big news, other than Brian being there, coming out this week was the governor's speech where he talked about a lot of things oh, yeah. in that speech which were important. Most of which uh, have been forgotten, except... Most of which people <laughs> gloss over. But the, the important thing that he said, which deserves a lot of attention, 
is the fact that he was very critical of what's coming out of the Carwin Commission and was point and point blank said that it's a half-baked idea that we simply cannot afford, and he is going to adamantly oppose any effort to increase taxes to fund it. And what's what's really interesting about this, and I again, I, I urge you to go listen to the guys at the Conduit Street Podcast who come from a very different perspective than Brian and I do, who, you know, <laughs> are kind of limited in what they can say. Um, you know, they kind of acknowledge the, uh, the, the challenges in this big lift of a program for these investments in education. Uh, the reality is this, is this is a spending boondoggle um, that the Democrats were hoping they could just ramrod through. The election, especially Larry Hogan getting reelected, kind of threw things off. And they cannot get this done without massive tax increases. Um, they've already, they're going to shunt as much as down to the counties as they can. And the counties are already raising taxes incredibly. There's a, there's real talk that counties, a lot of counties have maxed out what the state allows them to charge as their piggyback income tax. There's serious talk about maybe they may go to legislature, try to raise that, especially if they get these, what would be unfunded mandates coming Mm -hmm. down from Kerwin. Um, we've already got a structural deficit. The governor talked about this legalizing weed expanded gambling some of these so-called loopholes in the sales tax or other taxes that the speaker of the house has talked about adrian jones are not going to come close and even the guys even the guys i give them credit the guys at conduit street podcast admitted this it's not going to be enough to come anywhere near what it's going to take to fully fund that four billion dollars a year it's that's required under Kerwin. it's patently absurd so to think that 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 the democrats are really trying to put this out there that we're going to fund Kerwin with all of these other, right. you know, all of these other ancillary issues. And again, look, you know, I'm all five sports gambling. I'm for it. We should have done it years ago. I'm on record as saying that. But it's only going to generate so much money. Again, partially because for the same reason that when we legalized slots and we legalized table games, it only generated so much money. Right. For education, because we were so far behind the eight ball from all of the other states surrounding us who have already done it and have already beaten us to the punch. But again, I'm for it. That's fine. I'm I'm totally for it. But at best, that's $400 million. At best. You're talking about four plus billion. Yeah, it's not going to be enough. Dollars. and you, need. Uh, you know that's ten percent of the budget. Here's here's the de- you're exactly. I think right. we need to reinforce that. They were talk- the Democrats. Right. We talk about this during the election, but yes. the Democrats want to raise the state budget. Yes, not education spending, but the entire freaking state budget by ten percent a year. And that just is, for K through twelve education. That is not sustainable. Right, the increase for K through twelve spending, which by the way we already spend records amount in real dollars, exceeding even the current mandates on spending. Okay. You add what the full implementation of Kerwin, you're talking about another third. Uh, no, I'm, am I right? No, it's like 40% increase in what we're spending right oh, yeah, now it's, per it's, year. Yeah, close on to K through 12 education. No one is having the argument. And this is what this is what's wrong with Annapolis. And frankly, this is where we part ways with some other folks who are talking about this mm-hmm. stuff. Nobody is talking about, and even some of our Republican friends in the legislature are not talking seriously about whether we need to spend this much money. See, the purpose of Kerwin was to go in and create this panel of of self-picked experts 
who are going to say, this is what we need to do to have a world-class education going right. forward. If we don't do this, and it doesn't really matter what this is, at the, at the end of the day, this was going to be spending a lot more money because most of the money is going to go to teacher's pay and lots of other stuff in that regard. Let me finish my point. Sure. So it was built in to be, a, to be cover, very much like the way the Thornton was, except Thornton, at least you had some litigation that they had to deal with and you have right. all that kind of stuff. You don't have that here. This was intended to be a tax trap, and the Democrats were going to come out and say, oh, we've got this blue ribbon panel. If we want to have excellence in education for the 21st century, this is the investment that we have to make. And the idea was that would give them enough political cover in an environment where Democrats controlled everything and had super majorities and had the governorship and could get away with things like Governor O'Malley did uh, when he raised taxes 40 times, no small part of which was because of his need to fully fund the Thornton Commission recommendations. They thought they'd get away with this politically. What happened, the, 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 uh, the uh, fly in the buttermilk, if you will, was Governor Hogan getting elected and reelected right. and coming out and saying, we're not going to do that. I'm not going to support tax increases. Right. You've got an economy that is slowing. There's very serious concerns about um, a recession, about a recession. Soon. Even if there's not a recession, it's not growing that fast. That's going to come anywhere near paying for this right. stuff. You've already got uh, mandated spending that's forcing a huge uh, a deficit, built in deficit, structural deficit. Anyway, the governor has been talking about this and you want to throw in four billion dollars in new spending that's going to ramp up to the full four billion in about three years. It simply cannot be done without huge tax increases. And the question is, do we have to do that to have good quality education in the state? Most of you listening and me listening, and I think what the governor is going to say is, we don't need to spend that much money. And this goes back to the entire... You we, know, we don't need to spend that much money. It's, but the, from the Democrats' point of view, and I'll just let me make this point and I'll sure. let you jump in. From the Democrats' point of view is, yes, we have to find a way to do this. It's, it's, yes, it's a heavy lift. That's the euphemism they use. Yes, it's going to be unpalatable. It's going to require profiles and courage to raise taxes. But we've got to do it. Because if we don't massively increase, and by the way, we spend more on education than most states by any measure, okay? The governor's pointed this out. We spend records amount. We have, we have one of the best public education systems in the country. We have to do this or we're... We're not fully, we're not, you know, we're, we're cheating our kids' education, which is right. complete crap. And you never hear that argument on the other side. Yeah. I mean, or in Annapolis, really, at all. Because here's the problem. If you remember, Greg talked about the Thornton Commission, uh, the need to appoint a blue ribbon panel to, quote, fix, unquote, our schools. If you remember correctly, the Thornton Commission recommendations right. didn't fix our schools. It certainly didn't close the minority achievement gap. It didn't fix the problems that were inherent in the Prince George's County public school system. It didn't fix the problems that were inherent in the Baltimore City public school system where they have lost over $150 million in state funding. And guess what? The Kerwin Commission recommendations don't do anything either. This goes back to my entire issue and kind of the point Greg was making about what's the difference is the $4 billion going to make. You could basically light the money on fire if you don't put in real accountability measures and real impetuses for change, at no point has anybody stopped and studied what happened with the Thornton Commission and said, here's what went right, here's what went wrong. Well, nobody I, has, oh, no, let me finish. Nobody has stopped to look at what our public schools are currently doing to determine what best practices are, what worst practices are, and to change 
you know, to change what's bad and to keep what's good. The issue is, is that the Democrats, and particularly the teachers union, who, as we know, basically runs the Democratic Party, don't want accountability. They just want more money. They don't care about the actual results. They just want to give the appearance that change is coming without regard to what these results are going to be. And of course, baked into this cake are the perpetual increases thanks to um, you know the maintenance of effort requirements right, that once right. counties jack up their spending, they are never allowed to drop it down. So counties take a hit up front with all of this additional spending, and then they take a kick in perpetuity because their spending for at the county level has been jacked up to unsustainable levels to meet the requirements of the Thornton Commission. Yeah, and, and look, I, I, I think the folks on the Kerwin Commission are saying we are looking at what works and what doesn't and whatever. The point is that's not what the debate's about. See, that's the commission was just going to come up with a plan, and that's all settled now. Now the only debate is how do we pay for this huge thing? We're not having a debate in the legislature as to whether spending another $4 billion is really going to achieve those results, whether it's going to achieve enough results to make it worth that on a cost-benefit analysis, whatever. What we are going to have a debate on and what they intentionally left for the end, because it's the most difficult part, it's the heaviest lift, is how, how we're going to pay for it. And the problem is they've already passed the blueprint last year. And, and Grant, and I've talked with the Republican legislators about this, who, you know, hey, we're in favor of teacher raises, and, and what we passed is paid for, and there's some provisions in there. And some of them say they were a little surprised that the governor was so much against it at the end of last session, which I, you know, but right now, if, if you weren't, if you didn't get the memo before, I mean, we've been talking about this for over a year, more. I mean, we've, we've had this $4 billion oh. number for a long, long time, long before the election. If you're a Republican legislator, Kerwin's a tax trap, bottom line. You need to be against it full stop right now because if you're not, you're going to be putting yourself into a position where you have to support huge tax increases to pay for it. There's no other way around it. The governor gets that, okay? And and if the Democrats are going to try to do this without the governor or over the governor's veto, I don't think that they have the votes to override a gubernatorial veto to pass the massive tax package it would take. There are some Democrats who want to do it. Of course. Um, and, and I think the governor needs to stick to his guns. And if he does stick to his guns and he doesn't, he doesn't compromise by not raising taxes, that alone, that will make his legacy. And maybe they stretch out putting it in. Maybe it goes to the next election. Maybe they pass it over his veto. Because if, if they pass... $4 billion in new taxes or $3 billion in new taxes or $2 billion in new taxes and pass it on, pass another $2 billion to the counties and unfunded mandates. If that's what the Democrats are going to run on in 2022, okay, and they did it over Larry Hogan's veto and over the, you know, the Hogan-Rutherford administration's veto, um, they're going to get creamed. And they may get creamed anyway just for voting for it. You know, even yeah. if it doesn't pass, I mean, this is yeah. this is this is not. So this is this, this isn't 1990 where we don't take advantage of opportunities and I anymore. Think could, and oh, by the way, I just want to point out something. Just one real quick, and I hope I'm not stepping on your point. You won't be. And you wonder why you get some of these kind of moderate Democrats in like Baltimore County jumping ship out of the legislature. Yeah, not they a see it coming too. Not a coincidence. <laughs> They'll take a nice six-figure job in the county administration and avoid this. Yeah, Eric Bromwell out. is very now well positioned. Yeah, Eric Bromwell dodged a bullet. Day. Yeah, no, yeah. it's. 
you know, we, we saw this beforehand, too, you know, before the election. Yeah. I will say this, though, and let's just play a little game of real politique here, okay? Oh, fun. Let's do it. If you assume, as I do, that the Democrats will pass their tax package in 2020 to fund this. I don't assume that, but let's assume that for the sake of argument. Assume it for the sake of argument. If the governor vetoes it, let us further assume right. Right. that a veto override does not come back for a vote until 2021. Now, while this veto override is going on, and while I, there are... First off, first off. Hold on. Okay, go ahead. There, while there are nine months between the end of session and the, and the start of what would be the presumptive veto override vote. Right. The administration's going to start talking a little bit about redistricting. Okay. All right. I'm just saying... You can do some. You can do a little bit of log rolling with regard yeah, to redistricting. Yeah, you can. You can. I don't think they can wait nine months to override a veto on something like a tax thing. I don't. I don't know. It depends on how late in the session they pass it. Um, well, I, I don't think they're going to be able to pass it early enough to ride override it, especially if we're talking the size that it's going to require. Right. I don't think they're going to be able to pass it at all. Legally this, speaking, they, they, the, the next order of business would be the veto overrides the next time they meet. Now, does that mean but that the they wouldn't is if come they back wait and meet in special session? They might have to meet, meet in special, special session. session. They might have they to have might, special session. But they're not, governor's not going to call them back for a special session. Well, the, the, the leadership's going to call them back. They would have to. Yeah, they and, have and, to. They, and to your point, they'd have to have the votes before they'd call the special session. Right. And that may be kind of interesting over that time. Right. Meanwhile... In the background, if the economy softens, if revenues start to shortfall, and by the way, everything else in the budget's got to be paid for too. So, are right. you going to cut stuff in the budget to pay for this? You know, you've got other mandated spending as well. Um, this is this is where it gets really, really tight, and we've been seeing this coming for a long, long time. But the idea, and it's never happened before, the idea that Democrats could pass. Essentially, do what Martin O'Malley did mm-hmm. over Governor Hogan's veto just seems like there's just it seems impossible. Uh, d- Democrats in the legislature seem to think it's not going to happen. At least Democrats in the Senate. I'm sure that the right, um, right. I'm sure that the, cliff, the Senate's the, much closer. Right. I'm sure that the over the cliff caucus that the Democrats are running with these days. Which, by the way, you have to assume. You talk about Bromwell and Lafferty right. resigning from the House. You have to assume that they're going to be replaced. By Democratic delegates, new right. delegates who are farther and farther to the left right. than those two guys certainly were. And the key, you know, Bromwell, Bromwell, remember, got ridden pretty hard by um, the goof from the real news. For no, we did it. We covered that. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Just he, remember, he never yeah. even met the gubernatorial candidate. He never met Ben party. Jealous. He got ridden pretty I don't know, hard. I don't know who that, he but. is. I've never actually met him. Yeah. Who? Ben who? Yeah, it was pretty funny. He doesn't come around here. I don't know because he was he he's from an area in Baltimore County where the governor did very very well. Correct. And this is a big reason why. Look, you you talk about redistricting. Um, there's going to be a few. Mar- I mean, you know, you got a few marginal Senate Democrats who barely got elected. Yeah. Who who ran some tough elections? Who had the big turnout? Whatever else that helped them win. Right. You know, the governor's only got to pick off a few. And as you point out, there's carrots in redistricting. If they go against their leadership, he can protect them. I mean, it's it's fascinating. The key, the the linchpin, the absolute center of gravity for all of this stuff is the governor has to dig his heels in and adamantly oppose and promise to veto without any chance of compromise any new tax increases. I think he's if he sticks to if he well, he's laid. That's the line that he's drawn. 
If he sticks to that, he makes the Democrats' job almost impossible. And oh, by the way, we need Republicans to line up and do the right thing, which most of them on tax issues do, but you can always suspect that well, I think one, I, one rotten apple might vote for it anyway. Well, I mean, I, you know, the the impolarities of the world. Yeah, I don't... I think it's going to be. I think if you're a Republican and you cross the governor to vote for tax increases, <laughs> forget it, man. Yeah, forget. I don't care if you're moderate, if you're a Trumper, if you're a never Trumper. I mean, there ain't nobody in our party who's gonna who's gonna support someone who does that when the stakes are that high. No, I I I agree. So, Greg, why don't we take a break? When we come back, we'll focus a little bit more on the 2020 election. There's uh, there are a lot of lot of uh, a lot of activity going on there. Activity. So we'll talk a little bit more about that. Plus, we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about music and we'll talk about football. Stick with us. You are listening to Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network. Did you know Red Maryland was on Patreon? By supporting Red Maryland on Patreon, not only do you support Red Maryland's efforts to grow the conservative movement here in Maryland, but you're going to get access to premium content, meet and greets cool bumper stickers, and more. To support Red Maryland Patreon, go to patreon.com slash redmaryland. Even $1 a month will help us grow the conservative movement in our state. And every dollar goes back into growing Red Maryland. That's patreon.com slash redmaryland. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash redmaryland. And thank you for your support. I've been thinking... And I feel like I could be a real asset to you guys. I want to help. What? Wait, wait. So first you wash your hands in politics. Now you want back in. Let's go flip-flopping, Mac. That's Hang what on. Democrats Hang do. On a... You are invited to the 2020 Red Maryland Leadership Conference, which comes at you on Saturday, January the 11th, 2020, from the Doubletree Hotel in Annapolis. Join us as we hear guest speakers, including Commerce Secretary Kelly Schultz, Delegate Kathy Shalega, Doug Mayer from the 2018 Hogan for Governor campaign, Andrew Langer and Jerry Rogers from WBAL Radio, Maria Sophia, the chair of the Maryland Young Republicans, Ian Patrick Hines, Rory McShane, and a host of other fantastic speakers. This conference will help prepare the groundwork for your next election success and the success of conservatism across the state. Tickets are on sale now. The conference sold out in 2019, so you are not going to want to miss out on buying your tickets today. Go to RedMarylandConference.com to learn how to buy your ticket, your sponsorship, or your vendor table. That's RedMarylandConference.com. Go buy your tickets today for the 2020 Red Maryland Leadership Conference. Zwoele zomerhits. Klopvaste actua. De leukste cadeaus. Donna. The sound of summer. We are back. Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network. Proud sponsors of University of Maryland football on WGMD Radio. Go Terps. Go Terps. I am Brian. He is Greg. Yeah, good to Let's be here. Let's talk a little bit about some elections coming up. And, elections. Um, All right. You should. Uh, those links are not in that one. Um, yeah, you don't have any links. We got. Well, they're on. They're on. They're on redmaryland.com. You can pull them up there. Um, so we actually have some focus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. I should have read your mind. Damn it, then. producer Greg. I'm 
I'm not the producer. You put the show together. Like, I did put the show together. Yeah. All right. All right. You know what it is. Why don't you set it up? So we're talking about elections because Baltimore City and uh, Congressional District 2 are the ones that are getting a lot of activity right now. You would think that... Um, yeah, yeah. Don't you keep talking? You would think you are not good at this. That man. we are. You would think that we are. You five, are easily distracted by shiny things. I'm easily. Never mind. Um, we are a couple months still. Yeah. several months still from the filing deadline. Filing deadline for the 2020 elections. Correct. Three candidates who have filed for mayor of Baltimore. Three Republican. Candidates. Three Republican. Yes, yeah, so there's like a thousand Democrats right. have right. have already filed. Um, we've already seen Catalina Bird has filed for mayor. Right. William G. Hurd has filed for mayor, and Shannon Wright has filed for mayor. Catalina Bird uh, has been an activist for some time in Baltimore City. Um, Shannon Wright is the third pastor, right? third vice chair, former third vice chair rather, of the Maryland Republican Party, and uh, she, I believe, is the chair of the Baltimore City Central Committee. But Greg, what do you what do you make of this? We are we're months away from a filing deadline. And we already have three candidates running for mayor of Baltimore. Three Republicans running for mayor. And, and we'll reach out to them and get some more. From it. Well, look, I look, you know, there are people say, well, why don't Republicans do more and Republicans need to fight harder? Well, we have people who are willing to do that. I think I think uh, Pastor Wright has a lot of, you know, Republican institutional support such as that is. All of these folks are in the community trying to do something as Republicans. And, you know, they need to be supported if if we're if all the people who like to complain and run down Baltimore really want to see it change. And we all are invested in doing that. We need to support these kind of folks. They're going to have a tough time and of they've course. got to be able to run in a city um, and, you know, in an election in a, in a presidential election year with Donald Trump on top of um, where it's going to be tough for Republicans to win in a place like Baltimore City. So, you know, um it's 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 always a huge enormous challenge okay and it's going to be interesting to see what happened on the democratic side because a lot of folks on the democratic side are going to be going after each other at the end of the day i don't think there's going to be that much of a difference between the democrats as far as substantively what they want to do and whoever ends up winning is probably going to be very similar to the people who've been there before and there's a great opportunity if we get a candidate who can be supported and can get their message out a little bit that can draw great contrast for months between the primary and the general election in November about what we can really do in the city. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But I, this is an opportunity as, as a Republican Party, and especially Republicans in the city, and there are a lot of good Republicans who live in the city, and there are red parts of the city. They're just hopelessly, you know, you got a city that's outnumbered nine to one, um, Democrat to Republican, but you've got, you know, uh, Governor Hogan got like, what did he get, 30, 35% of the vote in oh, it was, Baltimore yeah, it was City? Oh, a super high number. Uh, for a Republican, that's pretty darn high. Right. You know, when 90% of the voters are Democrats and you can you can get that level of crossover, yeah, that's not, you're not going to win, but you can, you can show, and this is an opportunity to give people in Baltimore a real choice on what they want to do. We need to be supportive of that, and I know we will be here at Red Maryland, and a lot of you will be as well, but that's what we need to do. So the, the primary, I mean, let's just have these guys go out and see who can raise money, who can get the message out, who can articulate, who can stay on message, who can be an intriguing candidate and, and connect with voters. And then hopefully winning the primary, we can amplify that. Right. And go up against a, you know, who very likely will be a flawed Democratic candidate and certainly a Democratic institution that's run the city 
that should be really easy to to attack and we'll see what happens meanwhile in the second congressional district there are already now it's hard to imagine this there are three filed candidates there and another one that is probably going to run three um, republican three republican candidates this is this is um um help me out this This is is dutch rupersberger's district dutch rupersberger's district right district two and this is you know Eastern Baltimore County. Well, it's if you it's gerrymandered all around. So to hell, but you know, it's I mean that's the problem with these things. It's it's hard to describe where it parts parts of Anne Arundel County, parts of other places. Um, so we have Tim Faisenbaker. Right now, Faisenbaker was a independent write-in candidate for the Baltimore County Council last year, uh, running against Todd Crandell. I'm not quite sure what the what the thinking there was. I do know that he's tied in with that. Yeah, uh, yeah, remember that yeah. Scott Collier goof? These are guys who like to write in and think they're doing something. But at least he's filed, so we'll see. Yeah. Scott Collier, for those of you who forgot, well, last year um, had his big expose of Red Maryland. Yes, he exposed help, us. That was supposed to help the Pat lies. McDonough. That was supposed to help Pat McDonough win the primary, right. except he posted it the day after the primary. Yeah, that's in our best of. If you go to <laughs> Patreon.com, we posted our best of. That was part of it. He exposed our lies. As he as he did a video in front of a bus stop. Or which, something. Which was It was weird. great. It was weird. It was, it was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun with it. But this is he's he's part of that group. You've got Genevieve Morris. Who I have absolutely no idea who that okay. is. Okay, well, we'll reach out to her. Hopefully, have her on. And then yeah. we have Senator, Senator State Johnny Senator Ray Johnny Ray Salling. Every who, four years during a presidential election, we find a legislator who yeah. shows up and runs for this seat. Uh, we had, you know, four years ago in 2016, it was Pat McDonough. Uh, four years before that, he was a delegate was, at the time. Was right. Senator Nancy Jacobs, right? And you know, so every every couple of years, we get a an elected official who who seeks this seat. I can tell you that until. Um, until like a week ago, I had absolutely no idea that Senator Stalling would even consider running for Congress. And yeah. It seems like that the word didn't get out there until he tweeted at yeah. President Trump that he was going to run. Yeah, well, you know, look, and, and we should say it to that point, um, Senator Stalling's a big supporter of the president. Um, and, and I'm sure we'll be very supportive of what the president is doing. It'll be interesting to see how that sort of alignment does in the second congressional district or in any Maryland congressional district, frankly. Um, You know, I I don't know how much he was recruited by the state party to run for this. If he was good on them for, you know, I mean, look, here's a guy who's been elected twice to the state Senate, um, who's who's battled in in very competitive working class areas in in, um, eastern Baltimore County. Who won a major upset yeah. when he first won. 2014. I mean, nobody, nobody had that race <clears throat> on the radar when he beat Johnny O. Sr. And, 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 and held on last time around. I mean, we shouldn't, we oh, shouldn't soft-pedal yeah, that because that's, that's not a small thing either. Not a small thing at all. Um, so here's a guy who's got some chops, who's shown an ability to organize and run a campaign. And, and to relate uh, with the people of that area. Yeah. And, um, you know, the second congressional district... The reputation is, of course, it's so gerrymandered. There's a lot of things that are going on, but it's more kind of a working class district. It's it's you know blue collar. I mean, you know, Dutch Rupersberger kind of comes across that way. He's pretty well ensconced there. Right. It's tough for any challenger to win for a lot of reasons. The big reasons are money and name recognition. Mm-hmm. You would think that a two term state senator would be able to at least be more competitive than some guy who was a write-in candidate for county council four years ago. Um, but we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens at the primary, and we'll see what happens in the general, if that can be competitive. 
Senator Salling's not putting his state Senate seat at risk doing no, he this. Has nothing. So nothing he has a chance for months to go out and meet the voters and and raise his his name ID for you know whatever he decides to do in twenty twenty two or right. further on. This is one of the reasons why, as you mentioned, legislators do this on the off year because it's a way to do that. Right. And let's face Build it, you know, let, let's let's be honest, career politicians or people who are in office, they like to run for stuff. They like running for office. Yeah. And they, you know, every single local politician, I'm, I'm going to say that, I'm going to look in the camera, I'm going to tell you this. The the gold ring for every local politician is to get elected to Congress. Oh, yeah. Okay. They're not, getting elected presidents like winning lottery, it's very, very hard to do. You got to be in the big leagues for a long time. U.S. Senate seats are very, very tough, hard to come by. Um, lottery has to do with being the right place at the right time. Congress, this is the aim that these guys have. I could I could name half a dozen Local elected officials I know who have expressly stated that their goal was to get elected to Congress. You know, we used to have a state party chair who was a state senator who eventually got elected to Congress. He had to live in three different states and run before he finally did it. But he's there now. You know, it's this is grab the brass ring. This is this is the brass ring. This is the. This is the ultimate achievement for local politicians to get elected. And to look, Congress. getting elected to Congress is a sweet gig. You There's a, a lot that's sweet, particularly to if it. you're yeah. from Maryland. Because if you're from Maryland, you don't have to maintain two residences. Right. You get a sweet. With a lot, a lot of people who do very well financially. One hundred seventy-five thousand dollar a year job. Yeah. Uh, if you're a, just a bat, you can be a backbencher for twenty years. Usually, you don't have to do anything for the most part. Especially to, the way Congress runs now, they don't even legislate hardly lead. anymore. You don't have to think for yourself a lot of times. You can just follow the crowd. Um, right. You know. So and yeah, if and if your district gig. and if your district's drawn in a way that it's pretty safe, you know you. You really don't have to try that hard. It's not a coincidence that most people, once they get elected to Congress, stay in Congress. They don't run for anything else. Yeah. Bob Ehrlich was the exception to the rule. Uh, he know, left a fairly safe. Right. He, to run well, for this district wasn't it the second district. He well, left this, his, he, the district it's was changed redrawn. a lot since then. The district was redrawn to take him out. and It kind of forced right. him into the governor's race, which, right. of course, he won. You know, but you don't see a lot of the last. Uh, you know, the last Republican congressman I can think of before uh, Bob Ehrlich, who left to run for another office, was um, – I can't even think of it. Okay. Truth. All right. It's been a while. I, so know maybe that, somebody I, know that, uh, I know that Larry Hogan Sr. had talked about running – about leaving Congress to be county executive. Ultimately, he did win uh, – oh, he, he ran what, for governor in ran for governor, and yeah. lost the primary due to his, his vote to impeach Nixon. Right, his vote to impeach Nixon. Yeah, but eventually right. it was elected county executive. Uh, but the, the other candidate, by the way, who might who's considering running, my understanding, is Liz Matori, who was the nominee in 2018, maybe considering okay. another run for that seat as well. So you're talking about four candidates, potentially, for District 2 right? already. Um, I know we have two candidates running in District 4. Um, I know. Do you know who they are? I know. And, and by the way, we're going to invite all these people on and try to talk. We're going to try to do election focus. We're yeah. going to do the candidate surveys are back. Yeah. By the way, this year, just because we're crazy, we're nuts. We're going to do candidate surveys for every person who files for convention delegate and convention oh, okay. alternate delegate. Yeah. Okay. That's because fine. look, one of the reasons that people run for the those we should spots do that. Sure. Is because they want attention. So we'll give them attention. Yeah. It'll well, and, and and the reality is you'll see these people on a ballot and no other news outlet's going to tell you about them. No. So this is another reason why we do that. And I mean, look, we we'll understand that. that for the most part, most of these people, you know, there are going to be three people with named Trump on the ballot. 
uh, and those are probably the ones who are going to win, right. no matter how many, no matter how many people actually wind up running for president. Right. Um, right. That's, that's right. That seems to be getting becoming a crowded place these days. People who are ready to run kamikaze missions to the Republican nomination, but uh, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. What, you disagree it's, with their kamikaze missions? Uh, no, no one's going to beat the president in the primary. No, I'm agreeing with you absolutely. No. And I say that as somebody who would vote for somebody else in the primary. Yeah. And I think we're rapidly, if we're not already at the, we're, we're, this is the ship that we're either going to sink or swim in. Right. I mean, it's I'm unless something, unless there, something, but. unless something 1968 adjacent happens, you know, with, um, you know, where, where LBJ kind of got knocked out of the race after New Hampshire because, but that was an entirely different. It's not going to happen. It, but 1968 like, was a different universe anyway for a variety of yeah. reasons, not the least of which the fact that nobody really campaigned in New Hampshire. I guess we always have to say in the times it is 2019, so we can never say never. Right. But it doesn't. It doesn't look like that. And and in reality, there has not been a real strong challenge that's formed. No. The president has done a good job, good enough job at least, to really push away any serious challenge. Let me put it this way. Uh, especially well, especially given the fact that there have been people ever since he was the nominee determined to see him defeated yes, in the Republican Party. Absolutely. And they still can't, can't find purchase. That's that tells you the president's doing at least enough of a job amongst Republicans yeah. to keep the job. Yeah, the fact that the people that are, that are being trotted out there are Mark Sanford, who, yeah. you know, is at least a conservative but has a presidential level baggage. Uh, Yeah, Bill. It's not exactly a character candidate that you're going to make a contrast. Bill Weld, who is not the candidate you want to run if you're trying to get somebody like me who thinks the president's a liberal to vote for him. Uh, Joe Walsh, who is. Uh, By the way, that's Brian saying that. Yeah. So send your hate mail to Brian. Um, Joe Walsh, who. Was he was the, great in the Eagles, man. He'd be awesome. <laughs> he was one of the great Trump ass kissers back in 2016, and then all of a sudden he turned. I don't know what caused him to do that. Jeff Flake sniffing around. John Kasich sniffing around. <sighs> yeah, but the time, the, uh, whatever. There's not going to be a serious challenge. I mean, it, it, the, the time for sniffing, if you will, is the, the sands are running out of the hourglass very, very quickly. Again, anything <laughs> can happen. Again, uh, you're welcome for that. I'm glad you enjoyed that. Uh, it, it's not wow. gonna. It's not gonna happen. So, but you have a lot of people who um, you get the you get the people who get that Trump imprimatur beside their name, and then you have a lot of other people who run. And you know, there's lots of interesting reasons why people do it. And I'm sure one of the questions we'll ask them is, why are you running for delegate to the national convention? Because being, from what I can tell, and I've never been to the National Convention, from what I can tell, that there's really nothing glamorous about being in the National Convention. It's kind of like, I always compare, and, I, and we know people who've been there, and I've talked with people who've been there. I've never been there either. And I've never really had a strong, even when I was with um, a, a campaign, I was with the um, uh, Cruz campaign last time right. around, and I was on the ballot as a Cruz delegate, and uh, you know you know how that worked out. Though I, though I have to say, I was approached by the... By the uh, Trump people, I could have been a Trump delegate if I there wanted to, and I would have gone. I thought it would have been, and I, you know, I told the person who called me, who's a wonderful person who called me, who I have nothing but the utmost respect for. I'm like, well, you know, I'm a Cruz delegate. I, I can't really switch party, switch campaigns. I'm like, well, that doesn't matter. I'm like, okay, it matters to me. Yeah. Okay, you got the wrong guy for that. But I always, I always compare it to people. There are people who've gone who had a wonderful time. I always compare it to like going to the Super Bowl. Right. Okay. Going to the Super Bowl, it's expensive. You can't really see that well. The experience of actually going to the Super Bowl isn't as great as watching it on TV. I've heard horror stories from some yeah. people. 
Now, if your team's in the Super Bowl, right. then it's a different experience. If my candidate that I'd worked for on the ground was not the nominee, I would probably feel different about it. Right. Um, so that's kind of what I compare it to. But. It's like the guy, the, all the stories coming out now about the the convention in Milwaukee, the Democratic convention. They're basically going to some of the some of the delegates are going to have to stay in hotels near O'Hare, which you will note is not even in Wisconsin. That's uh, that's a bit far away. Yeah. yeah. So there's there's lots of stories about people getting stuck on buses and all that other stuff. Fun. Um, Fun. I've actually been a, been I've been a candidate for convention delegate twice. Actually, is that right? Uh, once as a. Uh, once as a uh, independent candidate, not okay. affiliated with any party, right? And then once as a uh, a Perry delegate, actually back in 2012. That's one. That I don't have the work clip. Out for me I don't have the clip that we have from Governor Perry asking us how how you doing, boys. I don't, <laughs> we don't have that anymore. Uh, we used to have that, but yeah, that's not in the art. That's not in the thing. It's not in the thing. It's huh. not in the thing. I'll, I'll, you know, another time maybe we can pull it out. He's he's less relevant, so I haven't. But it, but you know, there are people, and I and and they know who they are if they're listening. There are people like there are members of the House of Delegates who will run for a convention delegate just so they can put their signs out that say so and so for delegate. Yeah. You know, just for a name recognition thing. It hap- that that kind of stuff happens too, which is kind of fun. And of course, there's always the ego of you know who gets more votes on those things and. You know, but the reality is when you go in to vote as a Republican primary voter, you're probably not going to know anything about these people. But right. if you read Red Maryland, you at least get to find out something about them. Exactly. Um, all right. Dealer's choice. Do you want to talk about campaign music or do you want to talk about football? It's fun time. So let's talk about campaign music because that's at least politics related before we go completely off the tracks. And get OK, the, you should probably bring up the story then. Um, I, I will. The New York Times the did a story. Up. They did a kind of a kind of is a, this going to come up? Is this going to be behind some sort of paywall or something? Because I will not pay for the New York Times. Oh, I Times. know. But that's what incognito modes for. Um, that doesn't always work. <laughs> I know. So they the, so work. the headline from the from the post. I'm sorry, the New York Times, rather. I was on the front page of the Sunday New York Times. You were. And nobody I know knew it. I know. I know. What do rally playlists say about the candidates? Presidential campaigns have a sound. We analyzed the playlist of 10 contenders to see how the songs aligned with the messages. Now, this is a fun topic that we've talked about. We talked about years and years ago. Yes. When we were on the terrestrial. 2008. Uh, uh, 2008. Dinosaur in the cornfield. Nation under a and that That's, is why we don't do that. Okay. You didn't warn me that that was going to happen. It didn't do that on my machine. Okay, let's try this again. That's what she said. So we're going to... Um, no, no I don't want to turn it off. No, no, I'm not going to turn it on. No. 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 No, all right. Okay, well, that we're, was fun while done. it lasted. Okay. Let's talk about football. Let's talk. Well, right, real quick, real quick. Foiled let's, again, New York Times, you bastards. Let's talk about. Let's talk about uh, that 1619 thing. You want to talk about that? No, because it just pissed me off. Okay. Um, right. I mean, it's just, you know, pick up a freaking history book, a That's real right. history book. That's right. Real history book. That's right. If you were running for president, which we know is not going to happen. Absolutely. You not. have made that clear. That you were not running for anything again. No, I'm not running for anything again. Right. Right. What I don't would even want to be president of my church council anymore. Be well. Yeah, the day joke. I the, you know it's not. July first. <laughs> this bad is <laughs> July first was the first day that I had not been like in charge of something 
since I was a senior in college. Aren't you like a, I mean, I don't know if you can talk about it on the air, but aren't you like a senior knight, knight templar of the. No, I'm, of... I'm a past grand knight now. My term as grand knight ended. So it's over? Yeah, it's over. Okay. Yeah, the only thing I have to worry about, you know, helping to run now. You're is, not the liege of the Palatinate of Pasadena now. or something? or. Um. The Duke of Pasadena. I like that. I should do that. I'm the well, Duke it's not of a Pasadena. duchy, but it could. I don't know. I don't know how it works. The Earl, the Prince, the King, the Emperor, Imperator, Czar, you, Kaiser. You're definitely not. You're definitely not any of those things. But you, okay, whatever. Anyway, if you were running for president, those, those what, terms all mean something. What, by the way, yes, I'm aware. Thank you. Right. Um, if you were running for president, what would your what would your walk up song be? My walk up song, like. Um, it probably would be something like the what I use for the theme of uh, uh, conservative refuge radio. Push comes to shove. It'd be something. That's a show like we that. used to have here in the network. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, people say they liked it, but you know the numbers didn't really reflect that. Um, ah, the real reason he doesn't do the show comes out. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Yeah, I, you know. Sacre bleu. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, probably something like that. It'd be some kind of you know hard-rocking, conservative-minded song. Maybe, probably wouldn't go Ted Dugent because there's a lot going with that, but, you know, people don't know. No, you're not going to use Wango Tango? No, Ted Nugent's a little, he's great in a lot of ways, and he's a right-thinking American, heaven knows, but so is the lead singer of of um, uh, Jackal, so I could use that music and people wouldn't know, but whatever. I, I might go with something like something like that. I would probably use, uh, you know, let's just face it. What would be the Elton best? John. Elton John was always, you, you were a big Elton John fan. So like, uh, you know, Tiny Dancer, something like that maybe you'd use. <laughs> no, no, no. The no. bitch is back, right? No, he's dead. Um, anyway, no, I would probably use, you know, Hulk Hogan's old theme song, Real American. Come on. Well, of course. How could you well, not? of course How it would be a not? wrestling song. Here I am thinking, of course, why didn't I just. I am a real American. I right. fight for the rights of every man. I am a real American. I fight for what's right. I, I fight I'm, for my life. Okay. How's right. that not? When I was a eight, that was anthem. a really popular song. Yeah, you'll get all the... We are careening towards an idiocracy, folks. Anyway, did you do any wrestling references when you were at Mako? Uh, no. No, I saved those for... Thank you. I saved those for... I taped, You're welcome, Kevin and I taped. I taped with the guys from the JB's Drive-In podcast, and we actually... We, we should plug, because yeah. you're, you're on... I don't know when that's airing. Braswell's in the chat room. Maybe he can tell me. I th- he's not in there. He gets drunk, and he drops out. Oh, so. okay. Oh, he's um, taking care of his children. <laughs> right. But I know it's going to air maybe next weekend, and uh, we did Demolition Man, which is a very Demolition political Man. movie. Very political so movie. it was. It, so just for people who don't know, our friend Jimmy Braswell, uh, noted local uh, author of businessman, uh, teen horror, teen horror books, and also an brewer. attorney, um, brewer, patriot. Um, I like the. I like that he. I like that he has you know, teen horror stuff in the vein of you know, um, whatever. Anyway, no, I want to see where where you're going. With I couldn't this. remember the name of it. What's what? What are those terrible vampire books? That they Twilight? Used Twilight. In the vein of Twilight. He writes those kinds I'm of sure. books. Um, <laughs> I'm sure he loves that comparison. Read his books. I, and he's, he's a published author. I'm not a published author. That's true. You're not a published I can't, author. I can't say. I've never written a book. 
And he's written a book that was actually published. It's not like one he's of these. He's written several books. He's not like some of these people published. we know who write self-published books that nobody reads. Right. I mean, I could do that, but I don't do that. If I, if I wrote a book, that's probably what it would end up being. He's a published author. And that Twilight stuff is very popular. There's a lot of, you know, tween girls who like reading about, you know, werewolves and lichens and stuff. And that's, hey, that's standards what the man are writes. one thing, but hey, ratings, ratings are, are everything. everything. Yeah. So anyway, he has a podcast talking about movies. We've had him on the show. Mm-hmm. Him, During Maryland Podcast Month. Him and, him and his co-host, um, whose name I'm blanking on. Paul. Paul Dragos, another friend of ours. Mm-hmm. And so you guest hosted... Or mm-hmm. sat in with sat them, in paneled with them. with them. Yes. To use the vernacular. I was the third wheel, if you will. Uh, I will. And the movie that you guys were talking about was Demolition Man. Now right. this is the the Wesley Snipes, Sylvester Stallone Demolition Man. Yes. Very good. And also, are you? Are, do you like that movie? Oh, that I love movie that movie. You... Love it. Okay. Because you haven't seen very many movies. I mean, I've seen a lot more movies than you think I've seen. Yeah, but I still recall that the last time you went to the theater was to see Les Miserables. Yeah, December 31st, 2012, yes. So, okay, so you haven't been to a movie in a movie theater in seven years. Only, if you only, if, well, if you don't, if you count that one time, remember that time where Langer asked me to, like, host this thing? For I don't some count Anne that. Rand thing? That was, they made that's the, the last time yes, I've been it was, it was one of the installments of... Of um, no, it wasn't even that. It was like some oh, it was oh, it was so it was it was a documentary on Ayn Rand. Yes, yeah. and you came out and talked about Ayn Rand. No, we didn't even talk about it. Like nobody wanted. To, like everybody left. Right, and you, which is good because you know nothing about Ayn Rand or objectivism. I bet you haven't even read Atlas Shrugged. No, <laughs> you were perfect for the job. The last book I read, which I just finished, you would- boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. Yeah, really. Oh. Now we're back. Yeah, we are back. <laughs> yeah. So what happened there, um, and this is, kind of, this is kind of podcast exclusive content at this point, the power done went out. <laughs> yeah. Like in the mid-thought, the power just went. It all done went black. The lights, they went out. The lights went out, not in Georgia, but in Severna Park. The power went out, so. Um, uh, what, so you were about to say what was the last book? At least finish that because people are dying yeah. to hear. Yeah, the last book I read was the Lost History of 1914, which okay. is a history book about the lead up to World War One and kind of different paths that the war could have taken. Right. Spoiler alert: Wilson, a jerk, right? The worst president ever. The worst president ever. I All think right. that's pretty, pretty. I mean, it's Wilson and then Carter, and then you, you can start having some arguments. Okay. But well, let's wrap the show up because Buchanan was pretty listen. bad too. Yeah, so we're not going to get to football tonight, obviously. Okay. It's going to be a long season. You don't want to hear us talk about that. Anymore. Yeah, we can talk about it next week. Uh, if I'm here <laughs> next week, you never know at this point where I'm going to be, whether I'm going to be here, not be here, whatever. It's, uh, right. it's you know, it's like a game. Right. No, it's not a game. Your wife's expecting, and you're going to go out on paternity leave. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. For, for at least probably a week or so. We'll see. Um, hey, whatever. I mean, you're entitled. It's 2019. That's fine. People stay home. Men stay home with their children now. It's perfectly acceptable. I know. You shouldn't. You shouldn't be made to feel bad about it. I know. I hope you don't. It'd be the longest time off of work I've had since, probably since in, right. Uh, college. And I don't. I'm not going to reveal your employer, but it. They, it's very generous. Yes. 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 Um. So anyway, thank you everybody for for listening, and yes. thank you everybody for watching. Um. 
RedMaryland.com is the That's home right. base. Patreon.com slash RedMaryland. Yeah. We are on uh, Instagram. Get Twitter, one of those uninterruptible like power sources. Go to yeah, Patreon.com slash RedMaryland. Um, you know, makes an argument for recording on a laptop. I'll tell you that much. And uh, we would have lost some of the other equipment. Be that as it may, uh, RedMarylandConference.com. Contact us. 410-205-4875. What's that number? 410-205-4875. That's the Red Maryland text text and call back line. Um, talk, talk back, back line. line. Wow, it's, it's, I'm completely flustered. Right. Email redmaryland at gmail.com. For Greg, I'm Brian. Thanks for sticking with us. You have been listening to Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network. Wow.